Hallelujah. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Um, I know I get that question a lot. How do you do what you do? And I said, I don't know. You just keep going. You know, you just you just keep going. You just keep waking up and just keep going. Amen. But, you know, when God's anointed you to do something, he makes it light and easy. And that's what makes the difference. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 78. And I want to read this real quick before I get started. Um, talking about my story. Mine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Hallmark version on you today. Amen. We're... It's a ladies' meeting. We like Hallmark, right? And my dad does too. <laughs> so my dad gets so excited at Christmas time when they get the 25 days of, of Hallmark movies out, you know. So I'll text him every once in a while, Dad, how's the Hallmark movies going, you know? But hallelujah. So Psalm chapter 78, and I think this really pertains to this weekend what we're what we're receiving from the Holy Spirit. Amen. About our stories. Psalm chapter 78, verse 1, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable or a story. And I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. And telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. You know, your testimony is not just for you, like we've learned this weekend. It's for you to tell your children, to tell their children's children, to tell other people. You know, that legacy of faith shouldn't be lost with a generation. It should keep going, you know, and, and telling those stories. And it says, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. See, God, he, had, he, was, he was serious about this. He said, I'm making a commandment that you have to tell your children what happened. That, that you have to tell them that how I parted the Red Seas, how I fed you with manna from heaven, how there was a fire that kept you, kept you throughout, how your shoes didn't grow. Oh, can you imagine, ladies, being 40 years and wearing the same pair of shoes and the same clothes? I mean, that, well, besides Pastor Diana, besides Pastor Diana. Oh, God. But that's supernatural, amen? <laughs> that their children to come might know them, that the children who would be born, that they would arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. See, that's so important. That, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to forget. He wants you to forget what God has done in your life. So that when you come up to opposition, he wants you to forget that God's already brought you through a thousand other times. And why would he fail you now? He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. But that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get you to forget what God has done. So it's important that we keep our stories in the forefront of our thinking. You know, I do that a lot. I'll just worship and praise God and I'll just rehearse those things that he's done in my life. I'll rehearse those things that he's done in my life or the stories that, you know, my, my mother, she was healed of rheumatoid arthritis. And I'll just rehearse that because there's no cure for that in the natural. Amen. There's no cure for that. And, you know, my grandfather, he was, in 1987, he got diagnosed with emphysema, COPD. They gave him six months to live. He went to heaven in 2012. That's a long six months, 25 years. Amen. But God's mercy and God's goodness Amen. But you've got to keep rehearsing those things. Amen. And, and, you know, it tells us in Psalm chapter 37 to feed on his faithfulness. That's what we need to feed on. It's feeding on his faithfulness, what he has brought us through. Amen. 
So turn with me to John chapter 4, and I'm going to start talking about the plan of God for our lives. Amen. And and relating it to the story um, of me meeting my husband. Amen. My husband, I was talking to him either last night or this morning. He has the boys, and uh, they're having fun. He looked a little a little sleepy, but I saw him. I FaceTimed my husband, and all the kids were wild and in the background. And he said, just, just tell him that your life was horrible until you met me, and then now you're flourishing. That's all you need to really say. That's it. That's the story. And I said, okay. <laughs> that won't take long. <laughs> Hallelujah. So John chapter 4 and verse 34, and it says, Jesus said to them, and you look at the pretext, is they were eating, they're telling Jesus' disciples, they're saying, like, you need to eat. You haven't ate. And, and he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. They're thinking, did he go to McDonald's and we didn't see him or, you know, or what happened here? What's he talking about? I love the disciples. They were a little carnal. Amen. But I can relate to them sometimes. He said, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And like verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, that's key. We need to start in the plan of God, but you need to stay there and finish there. Amen. Not taking detours. Amen. But staying where God has put you. Staying in his plan. That word sustain means to support, to bring relief, to nourish, prolong, bear you up. The plan of God will bear you up. Even when you don't know what to do, just being in the perfect will of God will sustain you during that time. It will prolong, it will prolong your life being obedient. But it will bear you up in that time. Just being in the right place. And thinking about Isaac. Remember in the, the time of famine. He was just he was being a good student because he was getting ready to leave. Because his, his father did. Abraham did. When a famine came, God told Abraham to go to this land and so forth. So when that happened, Isaac was just being a good student. He said, all right, I'm going to go do what my daddy did. But the Spirit of God says, no, you stay put. And see, when he did, when he followed the plan of God, it says Isaac prospered in a time of famine. See, being in the plan of God sustained Isaac through a time of famine. Amen. And that's what we have to learn to do is staying in God's plan to sustain us through whatever we face in life. And, um, you know, staying in the plan of God, it requires faith and it requires being led by the Holy Spirit. You You can't have one without the other. You know, sometimes when we teach about faith or teach about being led by the Holy Spirit, we think of two separate things. But no, they go together. You can't have Bible faith without being led by the Spirit. You can't just go out and start believing God for whatever you want to believe God for if he didn't tell you. I'm not talking about healing what the board's promised. But you know, you can't just go out and say, I'm going to marry that guy right there. No, you're not. If the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that's your husband, you better not be going after him. You don't know what's in his closet at home. Amen. The Holy Spirit does. Amen. So you have to be led by the Holy Spirit into your faith. And it's so interesting, you know, in, back in 2019, the Holy Spirit told me, he goes, I want you to start sharing your story about how you met your husband and then a couple other things. So when Pastor Diana, before she even had a theme, she had asked me to, to minister, I knew that the, that's what I would talk about. Because that's the Holy Spirit already told me that. And um, unless he tells you something different. But... Um, but anyway, so I was, you know, a pastor's daughter, raised up. My mom has been my pastor since I was 
seven years old. So I tell people I was the founding member of the church. <laughs> founding member, amen, first family right here. And, you know, before that, we always were in church. I grew up in a word and spirit church my whole life. You know, we went to church, it seemed like every day of the week. I'm kind of like Jenny, that's why I'm holy. You know, that's why I'm sanctified, amen. We went to church at least four times a week, and then my mom, before she pastored, she traveled on the weekends, so that was what my weekends consisted of, was going to some more church meetings. And they didn't have children's church back in the day, you know, so me and my sister would just sit there, you know, and whatever we'd play or whatever we mom brought us to do. Of course, one time my mom was ministering to someone, and my sister, my dad had a clip-on tie. He used to wear clip-on. I don't know if he still does or not. Has he graduated? Okay. But uh, he used to wear, so my sister took his clip-on tie and stuck it to my mom's rear. So my mom's ministering to people, and she has a tail. <laughs> so, uh, so we had some fun occasionally. <laughs> we had some fun. My mom didn't like it too much later, but, but, uh, but uh, it... You know, my, my, I was thinking about Pastor Cynthia. She was saying that how her, her, son, or her kids thought, you know, she was a saint. You know, that's what my kids think I was too, you know. Jude said, you only did one thing bad. He goes, you've only, you bit your sister one time. That's the only thing you've ever done bad. It's the only time you've ever sinned. And I said, that's right. That's right. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you, Jude. Praise God. <laughs> and then one thing, of, you know, some of you know my husband. He has a little bit more of a colorful past. You know, he uh, was out of the church for a little while there. Um, but uh, so he, w for some reason, one of my, he was telling his testimony. And one of my sons, um, my oldest one, he heard it. And he, all he heard was dad went to jail. That dad's been to jail. <laughs> but, you know, the testimony my husband was saying was that he had been to jail. But since October of 2003 or something, when he came back to church, he hadn't been to jail since. <laughs> but see, he missed that part. So my, he was in kindergarten at the time, and Joel goes to school and tells his teacher, my daddy got out of jail in October. <laughs> you know, we're pastoring a church. This was like just two years ago. <laughs> and I said, you said what? And he goes, yeah, dad said he got out of jail in October. And I said, oh, Joel. <laughs> oh, Joel. So uh, what do you do with that, right? <laughs> I was like, well, we're just going to believe God. Your teacher's thinking that you're not telling the truth or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, they listen. Your children repeat your stories, too. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, whenever um, I was a teenager, I uh, had a relationship with, you know, I was in a relationship with another um, individual before I met my husband. And I was in this relationship for several years. <laughs> my sister, sister loves this part of it. She warned me. She said, don't be messing with that boy. She told me. And, uh, but anyways, you know, you got to be a good listener. It's like Miss Donna said, you got to listen. But I didn't listen. And, and really what it was is, we have to distinguish this, is that when someone is wanting or needing help, that we don't get in a relationship with them and cause it to be something that it wasn't supposed to be. Amen. People are attracted to you because of the anointing. But you have to differentiate we're not going to develop an emotional relationship. I'm going to seek, tell you to go to church, and you go there and get your help. I'll pray for you, but we're not going to keep communicating. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so anyways, I was in this relationship, and I knew it wasn't right. Amen. And on the inside, I knew it wasn't right, and I had um, multiple 
times that the Holy Spirit dealt with me about that this wasn't right. It wasn't right relationship. Even I was praying about it one time, and we were eating with Dr. Dufresne, and, and uh, you know Dr. Dufresne. And so he just, you know, is eating, puts down his fork, and looks at me and my sister and says, you know you're called to the ministry, right? And we were like, yes. I'm not going to argue with the prophet of God. <laughs> yes, sir. And he said, he goes, you know it matters who you marry. I thought, oh, God, here we go. He's already read my mail. <laughs> yeah, he was looking at me this time. He goes, you can't marry a businessman or a lawyer or a truck driver. And I was thinking, well, that's good because I don't know that I won't marry a truck driver. But he said, you've got to marry someone who wants to be in the ministry, too. And so I knew the person I was with did not want to be in the ministry. They barely wanted to go to church. So I knew they weren't going to be in the ministry. And so I remember, you know, unfortunately, I still stayed in that relationship a year after that. But the end of 2009, about November and December, God just, just really, it was just a frustration on the inside of me. And he, God was, he laid on my heart just to spend extra time praying in the spirit. And I knew I was getting to a place in my life that if I don't get out of this relationship, I'm going to miss something. I knew that I was getting to a point that I couldn't just keep playing. You just can't keep playing with the plan of God. There's going to come to a point that you're going to go, like they talked about last night, to the fork in the road. And either you're going to choose God's way or you're going to choose your way. And I was to that point. And I remember one night, I finally, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was so frustrated. I was so... Uh, I didn't even want to be around that person anymore. Like, they so repelled, you know, uh, uh, repulsive almost. And I remember I tried to get out of that relationship for a year. But, see, I was trying to do it on my own willpower. See, the only thing your willpower does is push things back or hides things, covers it up. But until I told, asked God to help me, until I allowed the anointing to come to break up that relationship, that's when it changed. See what I told, you know, I told before, I tried to do it on my own for a year, but in one 24 hours, I said, God, I need your help to get out of this relationship. 24 hours, he turned it around. I thought, what am I been doing? What am I been doing? I've been doing my own plan. I've been doing my own willpower. I was trying to do it on my own. Amen. But we have to rely on the anointing. The anointing destroys the yoke. Your willpower don't destroy yokes. Amen. Your flesh don't destroy yokes. The anointing destroys the yokes. And know this too, when God causes you to correct something in your life, the anointing's there to help you. He's not going to cause you to remove things from your life or to change things without giving you the ability and the power to do it. Amen. And when God, the anointing shows up, it busted up. If you read that in Isaiah, it literally means that it busted up that you can't even put it back together if you want to. Amen. That's what the anointing of a God does. And so I had to, to rely on that anointing. And, you know, the reason I stayed in that relationship too long, it was not because I couldn't hear from God and because I didn't know what God was telling me. It was because I wouldn't get in agreement with God's plan. See, that's a lot of times we think, well, I can't hear from God. Or, no, you can hear from God. You're just not getting in agreement with his plan. You're letting your flesh take over. You're letting your mind take over instead of getting in agreement with his plan. You know, that's what I love about Mother Mary. I'm a Mother Mary fan, too. You know, she, the angel appeared to her and told her all that, but the angel stayed there. What was he waiting for her response? Are you going to get in agreement with the plan or not? 
And when she said, yes, let it be according to your maidservant, it says the angel went. What did he do? He went to go cause that plan to come to pass. But he needed her agreement for that plan to come to pass. The plan of God for your life does not just fall on you. It's waiting for your agreement. It's waiting for your faith to walk it out. Amen. So we have to understand that God, God has the anointing to help us to move into any area that we need to. And so after I uh, broke up with that, got out of that relationship, don't get me wrong, there was pressure to go back. There was pressure to go back. Amen. But I know that God had delivered me from something. Don't go back to what God has delivered you from. Don't go back to what God has delivered you from. Don't even give it a thought in your mind. God has delivered you, has translated us from darkness to light. Don't be fooling with darkness. Don't even be playing with it. Amen? And so I realized that I needed to get God's plan, to get God's plan in my life. So, Doctor, and I want to say this, too. After I had, in the relationship, just this, this wave of guilt came in my life thinking that it was my fault, that I didn't do enough to turn that around, that I was not being a good Christian, that that's why that person didn't want to go to church, that it was somehow, it was my fault. The enemy was just putting that on me. And so I dealt with that in my mind, and just it just caused issues in my life for that short period of time. Then Dr. Jacobs, he came to our church February 14th, 2010, and he was preaching, and I remember I still was out of that relationship, but I was letting that harassing spirit play with my head. And so he was preaching, and at the end, he came, he walked by, and he said, he said, Cassie, he goes, don't let the devil keep beating you up about things. He goes, you're on the other side of it. Good change is coming to you. And he, you know, he just laid hands on me, and I felt that spirit lift. And I told my mom afterwards, I was like, man, I've never felt this free in my life. You know, just that spirit, that harassing spirit had left, left my body. And my mom told me, and she said, she said, now you need to do what he said to do. You keep saying that you're on the other side. So that spirit doesn't try to come back. And so I kept saying, I'm on the other side of this. I'm on the other side of this. So then the next week or the week after, um, Dr. Jacobs was receiving his doctorate here at Church on the Rock. And so he had asked us to come. And so my mom asked me to drive her down, driving Daisy, amen, be the chauffeur. And I didn't want to at the time. I think I had worked or something, and I was sleepy. And, but she's like, oh, come on. You might meet the man of your dreams. I was like, I was like no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know, I go, I've been there before. I know I'm not, okay? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, moms know. And so I was like, but I'll go with you. So I went with her, and... We had the service, and then in the back, they had fellowship for everyone. And, and then as we were leaving, we were out here by this, back, this bathroom back here, and she was talking to, to somebody. And I see Sonny, and of course, I didn't know his name at the time. I knew he was a flock, but that's about all I knew. And um, so he's walking towards me, and I'm like, all of a sudden, I was like, he caught my eye. And he's walking towards me, and I'm like, okay, he's going to talk to me. I'm like, okay. And so he's walking real fast, and he looks at me and goes, have a nice trip home. And he just turns around. And I was like, that's it? That's all you got? And knowing my husband, he don't meet a stranger. So for him to be like that, I was like, you know, now I'm like, oh, man. I was like, you were, you were having Valentine's. You know, you had hearts in your eyes. But um, 
And but so, but when he left, the Holy Spirit said he's going to contact you, and it's okay. And but right, be, but before I want to back up to this, is before I that night I had told God, I said, God, I said I'm not screwing this up again. You know, I'm not going to go down the wrong path again. And I saw this verse in John 16:13, talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And so I said, Father, I'm taking you at your word. I'm not going to get another relationship unless you tell me that that's my husband. Because I don't got time to have boyfriend, girlfriends, whatever, you know, that's whatever you think about that. But I ain't doing that. You know, I'm not going to get another attachment and then have to have the anointing come break off me again and then keep going through that. You know what you learn? You learn divorce when you do that. When you keep getting in a relationship and you break up, your relationship, you break up. Amen. But so, uh, so I said, I'm holding you to your word that you're going to tell me of things to come that I'll know beforehand. And so whenever he told me that, I said, okay, then I know that this is okay to proceed with. And so I didn't know how it would work out. I was just, okay. So I guess in the meantime, the backstory of it is my husband, Sonny, told his dad, Les, which if you know those two, for them to have this conversation, it's just, it's supernatural, supernatural. Because my husband tells, tells Brother Les, says, I'd like to meet that girl. And he's like, you would? And he's like, yeah. So Brother Les goes to Miss Donna <laughs> and says, Sonny would like to meet this girl, that Davis girl. And so two days later, I'm at work and I get home, my mom says, there's a voicemail on our phone for Miss Donna. She goes, it's for you. And I said, okay. And the matchmaker over here. And so I, I, I listened to it, and she's cackling, you know, like that laugh, you know, the whole time on the voicemail. Like, she wants me to call her. And so I'm like, I know what this is about, because the Holy Spirit already told me that he was going to contact me. I know it was going to come through Miss Donna, the church secretary, but... Hey, we're open to whatever avenue God wants to use, right? So I, I called her back, and, and so she's telling me, you know, she goes, he has a colorful past, but he's right now, and he's, you know, he's, he, he loves Jesus, and he's, you know, doing all this stuff, you know, and everything. And I asked, you know, the pastors, and they said it was okay for me to call you and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, sure. I was like, here's my email. And... And then she emails me later. She goes, I don't know if you want to know his name, but it's Sonny. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know what his name is, but I know that God's already talked to me. <laughs> so anyways, me and my husband, we start emailing each other. And, of course, the first email was classic, and he always gets embarrassed or when I tell it. But the first email started out because he did the valet parking back in the day. And he said, I don't know if you know me, but I used to park your car and open the door for you. <laughs> and I don't know why. It just made me laugh. <laughs> I used to open your door. I was like, okay, creeper. <laughs> no, no, I was kidding. But, uh, so, uh, but anyways, so we start emailing, and we were supposed to have our first date during the ladies' meeting of 2010 when Pastor Nancy was here and Pastor Debbie Simons. So we were supposed to go for lunch after one of the morning sessions. And so, but, um, but I got a call a week before that from Miss Donna. And I knew that Sonny was going to, Cal or not California, Colorado for a skiing trip. You know, he told me I won't be able to contact you because I'll be in the mountains skiing and so forth. And so, uh, so anyways, that Friday he went, I think it was March 10th maybe was the day. But anyways, or 12th, somewhere around there. 
And, you know, we, most of you know his story, that he went into a skiing accident and where he only had a 50% chance to live. He was on a ventilator and bleeding out and, I don't know, 40-some broken bones, and um, he was beat up bad. Um, and so that evening, Friday evening, it happened on Friday at noon. Miss Donna called me that evening, and me and my sister were in Evansville just hanging out and, and eating and stuff. And so she tells me, she goes, I just want to let you know that Sonny was in an accident, that, you know, we don't know the severity. At the time, they didn't know it, but his, his parents are flying out. And, but it doesn't look good, you know, he's unconscious or whatever. And I was like, okay, you know. So I got the phone, and you know what I did? Me and my sister went dress shopping. We went wedding dress shopping. I said, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. You're not going to tell me that this is my husband, and now he's going to die. No. And I told my sister, if I have to go out to Colorado and do a Smith Wigglesworth on him, I will do it. That's what it takes. I have to throw him against the wall to raise him from the dead. Amen. We'll, we'll get it done. But thank God, you know, that he, we had to do that. But, but, but I, I just refused to accept that. I know there was a lot of you that were praying for him. And, and, you know, they gave me the scriptures and we stood on them with him. And a lot of churches did. And so... Um, then when he came back, um, so Miss Donna kept me updated through the whole time, you know, about every day. She would send me email of, you know, after she would talk to Miss Mary and let me know how it was going and different things. And so when we got back, or when he got back, he started, you know, calling me again. And, of course, then he had his mouth wired shut, if you remember. So to understand him on the phone was pretty difficult. And he couldn't drive, so he, we were going to go on a date, but I had to go down here, and I had to drive him. And so he's trying to give me the address to his mom's house because he's living with his mom, and I had no clue what he was saying. I was just like, okay, sure. And he goes, and he could tell, he goes, repeat back to me what I said. I was like, I have no clue. I was like, I have no clue what you're telling me. So anyways, we, um, we went on our first date. And this is important. You know, um, we, when we first sat down, we hadn't even got ordered, maybe we ordered our food, I don't know. But the first thing he asked me was, do you tithe? Because I'm not going to be with a God robber. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of got a little ruffled. I was like, what? Do I tithe? D you don't know me. <laughs> I was like, I've been in church my whole life. I was like, I've tithed since I was 14, my first job. I go, I tithe every week. I go, I tithe on everything, not just my income, but I tithe on gifts. I tithe on Christmas. I tithe on birthdays. I was like, and he's like, okay, okay. He goes, that's better than me. He goes, I didn't tithe when I was in the world. And I was like, okay, all right. So I thought we were cool. Then he's like, no. He goes, well, do you speak in tongues? He goes, do you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? And I thought, oh, my God, what is this? And I said, yeah, I do. Do you want me to do it right here? I was like, we can have a prayer meeting right here in the Cheesecake Factory if you want. And he said, no, no, I believe you. And I was like, I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was six years old. And he was like, okay, me too. And I was, you know, so, and then I was like, okay, if we're pulling all the punches on the first time, let's just lay it all out there. And I said, all right. I was like, I'm called to the ministry. I go, you going to be in the ministry? Because I'm not marrying someone who's not in the ministry. And he said, yeah, yeah, I think I can do that. And I said, all right, good. <laughs> but see, and I, I tease him about that. But then another couple weeks later, he's like, do you have any debt? Because I need to know how much debt you got. <laughs> Yeah, no, my husband, he's pretty blunt. But I was thankful that we had it all laid out. 
It was all laid out. So then now I don't have to, he doesn't have to think, well, am I going to have to get her to tithe? Or am I going to have to get her filled the whole, you know? No, we already had the boundaries was set. See, if you don't have a standard in your life, you're going to compromise every time. If you don't have a standard and say, no, I'm not settling for less than this, what the word of God says, you will compromise until you compromise, until you compromise, until you don't have anything left, until you're just living like the world. Amen. So many times people think that, you know, especially girls, we think, well, you know, I'll, I'll get him saved or I'll bring him to church and, and then he'll get changed. You're not Jesus. You're not the savior. Yeah, you can invite him to church, but you can't save anybody. Amen. You better have him get it right before you hook up with him. Amen. Otherwise, he's going to take you down a wrong path. Amen. I wanted someone that I know that when we faced opposition, he wasn't going to run. That he wasn't going to be scared, but he'd be right there with me facing the devil head on. Amen. And so you have to create a standard so you don't just take anything. Amen. And that's what I had to do. I was like, no. And I told God, I was like, God, I don't care if I get married till I'm 50. I'm not marrying anything less than what the word of God says. Even if I have to pull a Sarah and have babies at 90, I'll do it. It's better than going down the wrong path. It's better than getting out of the plan of God. Amen. So when we, when we did all of that, amen, then everything was, was fine. Amen. We knew that and we, you know, and then it was funny too, because then after that, you know, at his brother's wedding afterwards, he was, you know, he didn't know all this had happened. You know, when he was in Colorado, Pastor Nancy was here having a ladies meeting and she had a word for me. She said, you know, cause I was thinking, you know, I was only 23 at the time and I was thinking, man, maybe I'm not ready for marriage. Maybe I'm not, you know, I just got this relationship and maybe I'm just, you know, had all these, just, just these thoughts going on. And so she told me, Pastor Nancy had a word by the Holy Spirit and said that God has prepared you for a time for this. And that change is coming and that it's okay. And so then I was like, all right, I'm back on board. I'm back on ship. All right, let's go. And so he didn't know all this because at the time she gave me that word. Remember, he was on a ventilator in a coma. Amen. And so, uh, so when he gets back and then a couple weeks later after our first date, he just said, he goes, you know, I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I'm looking for a wife. And I said, me too. Well, I'm not looking for a wife. But I said, okay, all right. And he goes, no, I don't know, but, you know, I goes, I really, he goes, I'm looking for a wife. And I was like, I got it. I, okay. Because he didn't know all this stuff had transpired. I was looking at wedding dresses while he's on a coma. I'm getting a word from Pastor Nancy, you know. You know, I've already got our wedding plans, and, and he still has a tube down his throat. And so, uh, so finally, he's like, okay, you're okay with that? And I was like, yeah. So then a little bit later, I just finally, I just told him everything. And I think I scared him a little bit. He was like, oh, okay. You know? So, but how God supernaturally put us together. You know how I told you in November, December 2019, or 2009, excuse me, that God had led on me, on my heart to, to spend more time praying in the spirit. What he was doing was getting me to be prepared for what was coming. So that I would make the right decision. So that I would have clarity and know what to do. 
And the, the wonderful part about it is when I was telling my husband that, he said, you know what? In December of 2009, he goes, I took a vacation by myself because people thought I was crazy. He goes, but I took a vacation by myself, and I just spent time golfing and staying in my hotel room just praying out the plan of God for my life. He goes, I just felt like I needed to get away and just you know, spend more time in praying in the Spirit. See, what was God doing? He was preparing two people for his plan. Amen. He was preparing two people for his plan. You, we have to learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because he says he will tell us things to come. But if we're not spending time with him, if we're not praying out the plan of God, then you have nothing to go by. See, we have to pray it out before we walk it out. Amen. You have to pray out the plan of God before you see the plan of God walked out into your life. If we're not praying, then we're not laying the track down for the plan of God to manifest in our life. You know, I like to say it like this. I preach at our church. I said, you got to pray it out. you got to speak it out. And then you got to walk it out. Amen. That's the process of following the plan of God for your life. It's not going to come by any other way. Amen. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to pray it out. You don't have to figure it out how it's going to happen. You know, and the thing about the plan of God, it's not relying on one person. It's relied on you. Your plan is not relied on other people. If other people don't want to go with you, God will move people that will. Amen. See, the, God will bring people to your life to help you to be a blessing. But listen, the enemy will pervert that. He will try to bring people in your life to hinder you, to get you off track. And it's you being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know who's who. What camp is this person going to help or are they going to hinder the plan of God? Amen. You know, something I um, told, you know, I think maybe when I ministered at the youth camp. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. I'll end with this scripture here is that whenever you're seeking, especially a mate, you better find someone that loves God the same or more than you do. You also, you better find someone who's consistent, consistent in the local church. Amen. Consistency is the key. Not someone who, you know, if you don't show up for five weeks, we don't even notice you're gone. That's not being consistent. Amen. But being consistent in the local church, because it tells us in Ephesians that husbands should treat their wives as God treats the church. Amen. So I know how my husband's going to treat me by how he treats his local church. If he never shows up, don't expect him to show up when you need him. If he's never putting his hand to the plow in the local church, don't expect him to do something outside for you. Amen. Or for God. Amen. They need to be consistent in how they treat the local church. How does he respond to his pastor? Amen. You need to know how that person responds to their pastor. Are they teachable? How do they handle correction? Amen. If they leave because they get corrected, they don't got the right spirit in them. Amen. And you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a difficult life ahead of you. Amen. And so we have to pay attention to those things. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. We know it's a refrigerator scripture, we call it. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Amen. But look at verse 12. See, we, we got to keep going. It says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. 
See, God has this available to you. He has this plan, this future that is hope and it's good. And Ephesians, uh, uh, I think it's verse 2.10, excuse me. It says that it's a good life already planned out for you. But you're going to have to go and pray to him to get into it. Amen. To find it. To search. And it says, pray to me and I will listen to you. And when you and you will seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, you will be found by me. You know, you're going to have to go after God with all your heart. Go after the plan of God with all that you have. You know, if a 10-year-old boy can do it, I think we can do it. Amen. Amen. If a 10-year-old boy can change all these lives, how much more can we do that? Amen. But we have to seek God. Seek him with all of our hearts. Amen. We're not in the day that you can just half do anything. Amen. We're not in the day that you can half do anything. If you want a revival, if you want an awaken, awakening in your church or in your city, it's not going to be half-hearted people bringing that to pass. Amen. It's going to be full-hearted people who are found in the house of God, who are seeking God's plan. And I'm going to tell you this, the plan of God is always going to involve you and your local church. It's always, your plan of God is always going to cause you to strengthen your local church. It should never take you away from that. Because that's what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, that I'm building the church, that the, that the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Amen. So that's what God's doing. He's building the local church. And that's why my plan of God for my life is going to be to strengthen that local church. God, where's my part? What do I need to bring to my local church to strengthen that? Amen. But we have to seek him with all of our heart. You have to learn to hear from God before releasing your faith. Amen. Learn to hear from him before releasing your faith. You know, we just, you know, in a pandemic, Pastor Daniel was talking, we, built, we bought our church building in April 1st of 2020. We bought land personally in July of 2020 during a pandemic. Amen. We didn't go to the bank either. We're paying out of pocket, paying cash for it. But because I'm not affected by this world system, all I'm affected by, what Romans 8, 14 says, I'm only moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. In the Passion Translation, I'm not moved by the impulse of my flesh, by the impulse of my emotions. I'm only moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have to get the vision of God, the plan of God on the inside of us before we release it on the outside. Amen. And then lastly, I want to say is do it in joy. Don't ever walk out God's plan for your life acting like you're just suffering for Jesus. You ain't suffering for nobody. Except some pit party. Amen. Do it with joy. When we started pastoring, and I'll share this real quick in closing. When we started pastoring, everything inside me besides my spirit didn't want to do it. I've been a pastor's kid for 23 years at that point. I know what she went through. Especially my mom. She went to a place where they didn't really believe in woman preachers. We had a man come to our church for three years. Mom ministered to him and helped him. And then he quit coming because his family said the preacher women, you know, aren't right. They're not, you know, you shouldn't be preaching if you're a woman. Of course, my mom, I, I love her. She has a little spunk to her and says, so it took you three years to figure out I was a woman. <laughs> she goes, you're not very smart, are you? <laughs> but anyways, yeah. yeah, right? So, but anyways, I, and I, and I, I it just, I wasn't in joy about it. I was being obedient, but I was not in joy about it. After a couple months of pastoring, the Holy Spirit told me, he goes, you better get in joy or I can't use you. 
See, God doesn't want someone serving him who is not enjoying it, who is not excited about his plan. There's no pleasure in that. So you know what? It took about a, a second flip. I said, I'm in joy. This is amazing, right? This is amazing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But see, I was wallowing in myself. And see, the plan of God is not about you. It's about who God wants you to affect, to cause an effect on. Amen. It's not about you. And once I got myself out of the way, I could get in joy then. Once I really, really, I was being selfish. I was wallowing in, in my, own, my own self. Amen. But we got to do in joy. That's what Apostle Paul tells us in Acts 20. He said, run your race with joy. Amen. It doesn't matter who comes and goes. You can still have joy. It doesn't matter who's excited about it and who's not excited about it. You can still have joy. Amen. And Oral Roberts said this. He said, whenever you're seeking out the plan of God, you pray until you know. And, he, and I want to say this, too. Whenever you're fully persuaded, it's not an if, it's a when. When you're fully persuaded, it's not an if, if I'm going to, no, it's when. When, God. And then once you know the plan of God, you don't confer with flesh and, flesh and blood any longer. Meaning, I don't consult my mind, my will, and emotions if they want to get in agreement with it. And then lastly, you do it at all costs. You complete the plan of God on your life at all costs. Amen. It doesn't matter the money that it takes or the people. God always provides. When we started our church, we signed a lease in April 1st of 2017. We didn't have our first service till the end of July 2017. And we were paying, we needed $1,500 a month plus a $2,000 down payment. So I think $8,000. And we had to come up with that ourselves because we weren't having offerings. And we didn't know who was going to show up because it was just us. You know, just, you know, me, my five, and that's it. And God supernaturally, as we started moving towards what he told us to do, everything started coming. People, just random people just send us checks in the mail. Or my husband went and stopped at a place with, his, you know, dropping off um, parts, and some guy just gave him $1,000. Just, just all of that. God brought in, and we figured it out. By the time we started our church, we had over $10,000 from people outside of what we had personally. People just outside just being a blessing to us. Amen. And that's what God does. When you follow the plan of God, favor attracts you. Joy attracts you. Finances attract you. People attract you. God has a supply for the plan of God for your life. You don't have to figure it out how it's going to come. You just got to pray it out and walk it out. And as you move, and listen, I don't have to know the next 10 steps of what God's going to do in my life. I just need to know the next step, and I move towards it. And as I move towards it, he shows me more. He brings more to me. I've seen it over and over and over, how we have just done our best to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And how he has met every need that we had. Before we started our church, we had a summer from hell. I'm just going to be blunt. Everything that you think could come wrong went wrong that summer. I'm talking crazy stuff like IRS stuff, uh, all kinds of just crazy stuff. And, and um, but you know what? We stuck with it because I already had the leading of the Holy Spirit. I already knew what God had said to do. And no devil in hell was going to stop that plan. I don't care how much the enemy tries to push back, tries to get you to hinder you from the plan of God. You keep moving. You keep moving. You keep moving. You don't hold back. 
Because if you hold back, then he's going to push harder. But you keep going. You keep speaking out in faith. You keep walking and being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, you're going to have tests and trials. Amen. You're going to have that. So just realize that. Amen. But you know what? My God's greater. His plan's greater. His plan is sufficient. Amen. And he has a supply to annihilate any need that I'll ever face. Amen. The plan of God works. Amen. And there's fulfillment in that plan. Amen. Amen. Well, stand up with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter your age. God's got a plan. You know, I used to always use an excuse. Well, I'm too young or I'm too this or, you know, I got I got little kids. I can't do that. You know what? I acted like God didn't know all those things. God knew that I had a six week year old baby when we started our church. Amen. God knew that I had two other little kids, you know, but God didn't seem to care. He just said, do it. Amen. And it doesn't matter what's happened. God still wants you to fulfill his plan. Amen. And we don't stop in in moving in God's plan. Because I've learned, I like what Dr. Dufresne says. He says, I've learned that people's lives are relying on me from hearing from heaven. Amen. And we can say that about our lives. There's people that we need to touch, that we need to influence, that we need to minister to. Amen. And it's going to require us to pray for, for, to pray in the spirit, to get in the plane of God, to get in the place where I'm supposed to be. Amen. So I can help others. Amen. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you that your word destroys yokes in our lives, Father. We thank you that we're moving in the plan of God for our lives, Father. That we're not holding back, that we're pushing forward, Father. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you your plan has success in it, Father. That your plan has prosperity in it. Your plan has peace in it. We thank you, Father, for it. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father, for it. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you this morning, Father. We thank you. You're the author and the finisher of our plan, Father. You're in the middle of our plan. You're all through it, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you this morning. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus.